You're listening to Making a Living Show. I'm Roby Levy. Hi, I'm Rox, and I make textile art for a living. Naila Jansen is a textile artist and designer in Winnipeg, Manitoba. She was searching for a creative outlet, but needed one she could do while undergoing treatment for breast cancer. Having learned to sew at an early age from her grandmother, Naila took up quilting. She has since gone on to create Rox Textiles and exhibits her cushions and bags at markets around the country. Here's my chat with Naila Jansen. Who are you and what do you make for a living? I'm Naila Jansen and I make textile goods primarily and I also design stuff made from other materials as well. Tell me about textiles. How did you get into textiles? Okay, so let's go way, way back. My grandmother was a seamstress in Jamaica who um, basically was a breadwinner for her household because her husband was much older, my grandfather. Um, And, uh, you know, she provided for her family as a seamstress. And my mother also did a lot of sewing for me and my sister. She would um, make clothes for us for special occasions and things like that. And at one point, she also worked for a seamstress as well um, for a certain period of time, not very long like my grandmother, but it was um, still she, you know, made a living from sewing. And um, when I was in first grade, I decided that I was going to be a fashion designer. And in second grade for Christmas, I asked for a sewing machine. And my dad actually got me a sewing machine, like an adult sewing machine. And, you know, that was exciting. And I made Barbie clothes with this sewing machine. And um, eventually my mom used the sewing machine to make clothes for us because it was newer than her sewing machine. So then I just kind of got distracted. You know, as a kid, I probably got Nintendo or something like that. And I was like, sewing what? Whatever. So your mom was jealous of your brand new sewing machine. And she absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> she borrowed it with quotes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Borrowed it permanently. <laughs> so you were, at a young age, you were sewing. And obviously you come from a sewing family. What led you back to it? Well, I took a long break and um, was in a position where I was in recovery from treatments from for breast cancer. And that's when um, I had all this time and I wanted to give quilting a second try. Cause I did try, like I did occasional projects here and there and I tried a quilt, my first real quilt, didn't know what I was doing, had to wash it and it fell apart. And so I thought, well, that's it. I don't know how to quilt. I'm not going to spend all that time on a project and for it not to work out. But, you know, I needed a project that would be slow and would be something that I could put down and come back to. And so I decided, you know, I'd give quilting another try. And I was hooked. And that quilt, the second one survived. Survived the washing. Yes. Did you just learn how to quilt better or did you learn how to wash it better? Uh, How to quilt better. Uh, because, well, there's, there's all sorts of things I did wrong on that first quilt, but it's okay. (laughs) Well, tell me, how how does one make a quilt the right way? Well, so quilts, there's a lot of rules and everybody kind of has their own take on the rules. So with quilting, you need to have 
I could say you need to have similar kinds of fabric, but you don't necessarily do. But you have to pre-wash it if it's a mix of different kinds of fabric um, so that everything is pre-shrunk and shrinks semi at the same rate. Because if you have a pull on the seam, it's going to rip. So, um, so yeah, so it's things like that. I watched a lot of YouTube and a lot of Instagram and I asked questions and people were very generous to answer. Um, I probably put in like easily a hundred hours watching YouTube videos to learn how to do it. And I only trusted what I saw like 10 times. And so, yeah, I tried those things and, and I asked people who, who were good, you know, good, good at sewing, whether they sewed for a living or as a hobby for a long term. I, I just asked the community that was available to me and people were generous. And as, as a complete novice or newbie or, well, let's be fair, a quilting idiot like I would be, is quilting literally just taking squares of fabric effectively, you're sewing them together to form a pattern that becomes a, a, a blanket and then you do stuff it? Because that's what I know about quilts is, you know, it's, it's, it's a cover and then there's, there's stuffing in it. So there's different layers to the artistry of quilting. First is the patchwork, right? The design of that's visual that you primarily notice when you look at a quilt. After that, you have to sandwich the quilt. So you take these three layers of fabric. You have the bottom layer, which is the backing. Then you have the batting in the middle. And there's different kinds of materials you can use for batting. Anywhere from natural fibers like um, bamboo, wool, cotton. Um, even I've heard of some silks, but silk will probably be a blend of with something else and there's also like um synthetic so and there's synthetic blends with natural fibers um generally that's uh batting in a nutshell um that comes in a sheet form like fabric does and so then you have to layer it and make sure that everything is really smooth because when you go to quilt it it will shift right because all those little seams those are the weak points. So it's going to move in different ways and sometimes it can skew it. And so then now that straight line that you had in your patchwork has now like a ripple in it. And that can happen, you know, depending on how you quilt it, you have to quilt it all in the same direction, starting from the center, or you have to lock it in different sections so that it's not moving so much. It is intense. <laughs> <laughs> I can honestly say I have never heard anybody refer to quilting as intense. Yeah, yeah, it's intense. <laughs> Watching videos on YouTube, that's how you got some of the know-how, I guess, to start back yeah. in and to get better. What motivated you to start taking this pro? Well, okay, so I was planning, I decided I was going to try to become a life coach. And I had, we cleaned out our basement and the front room was supposed to be my office where I was going to work. And then... The back room, which is where we are now, was going to be my studio when I needed downtime, right? Go back to quilting. Well, I have not spent very much time in the office. <laughs> and I just got stuck here because, like, every door that I tried to step into with um, any other profession, they just didn't quite work or didn't quite fit. Things didn't come together. And I just kept quilting because it was, it was life-giving for me. What did quilting give you that these others didn't? Why was quilting so inviting? So the other things that I tried, the other professions that I tried was me fitting into somebody else's box. 
right? Like, this is what we're looking for. How do you fit into that? Um, and quilting was just me being me and exploring who and what that is. So I was discovering things about myself. I had the freedom to really, in my 40s, learn things about myself I didn't know, you know, and find my voice in textiles. Like, I didn't even know that was a thing. So, so yeah, like for me, it was discovery. That's what it gave me. So tell me about the discovery. I mean, where are you getting ideas? Where does inspiration come from? You know, they come from all sorts of bizarre places, anywhere from like my environment and nature to like, I see somebody wearing these colors and how they used them was really unique and it really worked. And now that's like burned in my brain. So I'm going to play around with those colors. And then I think about what those colors make me feel and what these colors make me think. And then, you know, sometimes I'll incorporate those colors and like the vibe that they give me into a design to create, to like reflect how they play together. So, and that could be that. And then sometimes it's a concept, right? Sometimes it could be anything. It just could be like, I just like this, or I'm inspired by trees, right? So I'm just like going to do green. And I'm not just going to do green. I'm going to do green. Like I'm going to commit to green. When you say green, you think, oh, green, it's one color. No, I'm going to make green an experience. You're going to make my kid very happy because green is her favorite color. Oh, yay. Do you ever run out of ideas? I get scared that I will, but I never do. The well is not ever dry. I think part of the reason, too, is, first of all, I haven't been doing this that long. Second of all, I started doing it in my 40s. And so, like, I had a better idea of who I am and what inspires me, and what I gravitate to, and like, just being more comfortable in my own skin, I think makes me more open to creative possibilities, because I can find inspiration anywhere, versus me always having a mindset of like, I have to, I need to, like, fit into some other category, because I haven't really found who I am yet. Um, your focus is different. So you're not going to be able to engage with your environment in the same way you would if you had that security and confidence in yourself. Right. I think a lot of people, a lot of creators, they get this um, imposter syndrome. They, they, get, they get paralyzed because they feel like they're not good enough. They're not uh, knowledgeable enough. And so they wind up doing nothing. And effectively, they wind up guaranteeing that they will never get better. They will never uh, learn more because they, they're, they're scared to start and scared to try. Does that ever affect you at all? Do you ever run into that? I do get that in moments. But then I remember that failure is great. And that's the mindset that I try to move into whenever I'm doing something creative, like one of my, whatever project I'm working on, is that like, I expect to fail. I expect to fail a lot and I'm just going to keep at it until I love it or I'm going to toss it if I super hate it and start over with something else. Right? So I don't expect that I'm going to find success. And I think again, back to where and how I started, not with the intention of this is going to be this big thing that I'm going to be making money. And I'm not saying I'm a big thing, but like I didn't have that huge expectation. I was just putting one foot in front of the other. And just seeing where that led me 
with no fear of failure because I knew I would. And I knew that I would repeatedly fail. And so the courage to do it anyways is where you find growth. Let's say you run into multiple obstacles. At what point, for example, do you say, that's too many obstacles, that's too many failures? How do you know when the timing's right for that? <sighs> that's a big question. Um, I think you just have to trust your gut. Like if your heart isn't in it, then it's time. If you're just stuck because you feel uh, like maybe something isn't right right now and you're feeling a little off. That's one thing. But if you feel like I just don't care about this anymore, you know, I just don't find joy in it anymore. And it's not because of a certain thing that I need to tweak. So it's better. I actually hate this. Then it's time to give up. Yeah. I often hear that it's, it's actually, if, if you love something or you hate something, it's uh, those are fine. But if you're apathetic, if you just don't care, then it's time to put it on a shelf and go do something different. That's good. I'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> you started in quilting, but you didn't. You haven't ended in quilting because I'm seeing, I see pillows, I see coasters, I see uh, bags. You've definitely diversified what you're making. Is it all? Does it all draw back to quilting and sewing? Is it all of the same world? For me, yes. Um, because when I like I started with quilting and then I had someone suggest like, you know, what goes with, with quilts, Nayla <laughs> pillows. And so I was like, all right, well, let me see what I could do to put my hand to, to pillows. And I actually had a project where um, I made some pillows for another maker. And I was terrified of the thought of making pillows, but like working on their design helped me to like, get that confidence to try it for myself it starts with quilting but then I also like patchwork so then it made sense to move into the cushions and then it made sense to make the bag and then it made you know like it's just I'm exploring and I think that for me is what works because when I feel like the possibilities are endless then there's like a lot of joy in what I'm doing and if I ever get into that point where I'm just pumping stuff out for the sake of pumping it out, like I just, I can't do that. Like I think I would sink down deep into like some kind of mental health situation. <laughs> Is there something you're hoping to achieve or an ultimate goal, someplace you're trying to get with this exploration and with your, with your products as you're making things? I'm trying to maintain that creative open possibility. So like that sense of being really creative and being really free and seeing where that's going to take me, that's what I want to maintain. Even if I end up making like cushions forever, and even though they might be a certain kind of style that's very similar, like similar throughout time, I still, I just love playing with those colors so much. I could never get bored. Like behind me on that wall is like 340 swatches of color and there's even other companies that have colors too so like the possibilities of what i can do with playing with color even within the frame and moving one block here and the other one there's just it's endless so yeah i think for me it's about the creativity and that's my goal and to see how how far i can like take take this adventure you know if you hop online you see a lot of the how-tos. You see a lot of the uh, advice 
videos uh, about how to run a small business, about what your goals should be, about how you're supposed to try and get to the magical there, that end point. But they they don't actually make anything. And when you speak to a lot of creators, what you're actually hearing is, is that the creating is in and of itself the purpose and the goal and the destination. Yeah. The fact that you sell the stuff afterwards is just so that you don't have a house filled with pillows and quilts. Yeah. And so I can put, you know, ice cream in the freezer, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you run your business? How is this looking right now? Are you running it all on your own? Do you have uh, partners? Do you have employees? So yes, I do work on my own and I work in my um, basement studio and that's where I design where I manufacture, um, you know, I do all the sourcing and everything myself. Well, kind of like I have wholesalers that I deal with, but like, yeah, so I just do it all. Do they, do your wholesalers bring you samples? Is that how, how that kind of works? Like you take a look at these fabrics I got in, take a look at these samples. Uh, you know, what do you want to order? How much and all that kind of stuff? Here's what it costs. Um, kind of, but I don't, wait for them to bring me stuff i'm usually like what's come in what you know like i i know what i'm looking for and then i kind of look for the people who have those things so i'm not committed to any wholesaler that i deal with any supplier that i deal with i'm committed to my design and my vision for what i want to put forward so then i have to do more work because then i have to find who has what i want and then set up a, an account with them and all that kind of stuff. So, What's the hardest part about running your business? Really managing your time well and making sure that you're caring for yourself. My most important resource is the one I neglect the most, myself. Especially when you, you don't have anybody else coming in at a certain time to work with you like an employee or you don't have a partner that you're working together. You're strictly on your own schedule. It's hard to balance all the things that you have to accomplish within that time frame, and to set up parameters to take care of yourself. Like seven days a week is not a way to live. And if it's for a short period of time, it's manageable, but I feel like I need to find better ways. So what would be some of those better ways? What's, uh, what's missing from your life now and, or that's overloaded in your life right now that you need to actually swap and make room for? For me, I feel like I need to exercise more and I need to take care of my skin and just like those things that only you can do for yourself. You know, um, I need to really invest in my time with myself. So I'm taking steps. It's just a slow, slow process to balance all the things that I need to accomplish because sewing things is a very, is very slow work. It just is. And if you're obsessed with details, like myself, then it's going to be even slower. <laughs> and what about, what about your, your personal life? You have a partner, you have yeah. a pet, yeah. you know, if you're working seven days a week, are they seeing you ever? Are you ever emerging from the basement? Yes, I do. So I will take a few hours off in the middle of the day and hang out with them. Yeah. So like maybe Saturdays we've been going for bike rides and like, I know I'm going to work Saturday, but I know Saturday morning I'm doing this. So I think for me, in some ways it would be better for me to schedule things where I have to actually meet somebody <laughs> so that I can't just like push it off. Well, it's like a personal trainer. Everybody 
kind of knows how to do a push-up, but you sometimes, you know, just knowing you have to go somewhere to see somebody who's going to yell at you to do the push-up, that makes the difference. Yeah. That's sort true. of, sometimes. <laughs> Not for me, <laughs> mind you. No. Tell me, what are, what are some of the tools that you use to make your business run? I mean, you've got an active social media presence. Like, what's your favorite platform? Where, where, where are you really engaging with, with your people? Mostly on Instagram, I would say is the primary place I engage. Um, I like the concept. It's more visual and I'm more visual, so it fits. So yeah, I, I like using Instagram. I also like engaging with followers like a lot. I like to get their feedback. It means a lot to me when they give me their opinion, um, good or bad. And, you know, sometimes you have those surveys on in stories for example so you can see if the person like when you choose yes or no to whatever question you can see how many people choose yes or no right depending on the percentage you see that so sometimes if someone chooses no i will actually have like a lineup of people comment in my you know dm account to just like I can't believe somebody said no. And just like all this stuff, it's so hilarious to me because um, like I actually want their honest opinion and I appreciate that a lot because that's going to help me. What sort of things are you asking them? Like, do you like these three or these three? What does that sort of do? Like when you're asking of the entire internet, which colors they like and they're shooting things back at you, what does that do for you? How does that help your creative process? I can get so stuck in my head about my own ideas and sometimes when i feel like it's not a clear yes or a clear no i need somebody else's opinion so getting like when people give me a lot of feedback that is super helpful although the last survey that i did or poll that i did it was literally 50 50. so did you decide to just do both no that's too much work <laughs> i decided to take something the best from one with a best two from another and then kind of merge them. Very diplomatic of you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It was actually someone who gave me the tip to do it. It's, it wasn't even my idea. I stole it from uh, someone who follows me. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Just give them credit. That's all. A little slice of the pie. Oh yeah, sure. Sure did. <laughs> you were telling me earlier that you love doing accounting and that you're <laughs> very good at it and that you feel very confident in discussing <laughs> Uh, your your systems that you have in place for accounting and processing your orders. So what do you what what does that kind of look like? You know, when you're starting a small business and it's so small that it's hard to like hire people because you don't really have the resources to do that. So you have to gain some skills on your own first, which means you have to be a jack of all trades at least at the beginning. And then as you grow, you know, you do start to hire things out because it is definitely better for them to manage it so you can focus your time and energy on what you do best. Well, and with that said, I mean, how are you marketing yourself? I mean, you're posting stuff on Instagram, but so is everybody. What are you doing to sell and to get word out there that your stuff exists, that you exist, your stuff's available? How is that actually happening? You know, I don't have a plan for that. I'll be honest. Like I have just been incredibly fortunate to have someone like yourself contact me and say, hey, we'd like to do an interview. And so everyone who follows your platform is getting exposure to me and what I do. And then, you know, it's just been 
I've been very fortunate to have other people see something in me and want to walk alongside me, even if it's for a couple steps. And that's really helped me along the way a lot. In fact, that's why I'm where I am. So word of mouth and finding folks that are like-minded or interested and having them spread the word, have, sharing communities, having them overlap and, and, and cross-pollinate. Yes. And that's, a, that's another point that you bring up that's good, that kind of triggered a thought. I have done um, like giveaways and collaborations with other businesses who then their followers get exposed to my followers, that kind of thing. It is a cross-pollinating thing. Give me an example. Um, for example, like with Hut K, I have a collection that um, was just released there. Um, they So basically, I've been talking about promoting that collection and on my um, social media. And so all the people who follow me are aware about Hut K and are then going to go check out Hut K and, you know, that kind of thing. And then vice versa, you know, I did a story takeover with them. So then now people who follow them have seen me and they also know that, you know, that there's cushions that I've made and designed for Hut K there. So like there's that whole thing. And then the exposure of just having that cushion in their store, everybody coming into that store, they have it in a few spots. So people are going to see them there. So who reached out to who for that? Hut K reached out. And they found you yeah. through Instagram or through some other? I think they found me through Third and Bird. I've done markets with Third and Bird. And um, they, I think they were attending Third and Bird and then they saw me there and then they followed me for a while and then they reached out. So I mean, and that's the thing, like you never know, you never know who is looking, you never know. So have your stuff together and make sure that whatever you're doing is authentic to who you are and truly representing yourself because you really don't ever know who's going to find you and send you a DM and at any point in time, it could just happen like that. Do you feel comfortable uh, putting yourself forward right along with your work? Some artists don't. Some craftspeople don't. They just want to make the object or make the piece and put it out there. And they, they kind of want to wash their hands of it. They want it to do the speaking for them. Do you feel comfortable just putting yourself out there as part of the product or at least as part of the promotion? I feel like when it comes to the work that I do, that it is me in fabric form i feel like it's not complete without me being a part of the story um so i am comfortable in that way does it mean that i'm i feel easy talking on in a video or whatever like it's uncomfortable and i do a hundred takes and the more takes i do the worse it gets <laughs> um you know i struggle with that too but i feel like that's how I want to run my business. I want to present myself to my customer, to um, my audience, because I think that's what my work is. That's why when I sell something, especially a one-of-a-kind piece, it's like ripping my heart out of my chest. I like cry a little bit. <laughs> and I think about that thing and I'm like, oh, I miss you. <laughs> and yeah, I'm attached. Tell me about that, though. I mean, you know, you consider your pieces to be some of them are one of a kind. Some of them 
aren't, but are certainly inspired by one-of-a-kind works. What about scaling your production? Would you ever get to the point where you would hire others to help you make, help you distribute, and, and things like that? Is there a point at which you would entertain that? Or does it have to come from you? No, it doesn't have to come from me. I think the first like item that I designed that somebody else made felt good. And it felt like a relief because I didn't have to do the production. Because I do so much production that it can get to be like I have carpal tunnel and all sorts of stuff with my shoulders and my arms and like, you know, like it's a lot. So the thought of hiring it out is absolutely something I'm considering, but I want to be cautious in who I choose because I feel like they need to line up with my brand as well and like what values I, I have for my brand. You know, I, I wouldn't choose a company that would manufacture cushions, for example, on a machine, like in the sense of like the machine does all the work, somebody presses a button and then the machine sews it and puts, I would not feel like that lines up with who I am or what I'm about. If a person is operating a machine, that's an industrial sewing machine. Yeah, that's, that lines up, you know? So like that, that difference is a high value to me. And even though I know press the button machine makes it is way cheaper, I would rather pay someone to do the work that um, feels more authentic to who I am and what I'm about. Handmade is important to you. Authenticity is important to you. And you think that, and you, you, you bake that into every, every one of your pieces. I think I do because I do them all myself. I even make the labels myself. Like I make it myself. Yes, you are getting me. Are you doing shipping as well? I'm always amazed that people are not only making stuff, they're also actually, whether they're making the labels, but are you, are you taking it to the post office? Like if someone orders something to you, from you, how is it getting to them? Usually my husband drops it off at the post office, but I do the packaging too. Like I pack it all up, which takes way longer than driving to the post office. Thank you very much. Even like the branding that you put inside the packaging, like all those things you have to think about. Like I spent like three days coming up with the branding, like the stationery that I was going to put in the packaging. Yeah. Well, because the whole thing is the experience, right? I mean, yes. you know, I, I had, I ordered something not too long ago and it's a piece I, I, I really thought was lovely online. And when it got to me, I was underwhelmed because the presentation of it, the way it was packed and the way it was sent to me was just underwhelming. I, the piece is still lovely, but I was like, well, mm-hmm. more and more people are talking about the importance of the full experience. So it's not just that it's what you're selling looks lovely, not just that it is useful and is, is going to last, but that the entire purchasing experience is also going to be a positive one. So what kind of advice do you have for somebody who wants to get into quilting or wants to start a creative business? My advice would be to play around a lot first and figure out as much as you can what your voice is and who your audience is. Um, It took me like three years to figure out who my audience was. And the only reason I knew was because I went on Instagram and checked to see who is consistently following me over time. Okay, that's my audience. Great. And it turns out my audience is pretty much me. You know, someone within my age frame, primarily female, there are some males. Um, But yeah, so like that made it 
easy for me because it just made me feel more confident and just being authentic. Just be you and then they'll come. That's what I would say. I would also say have courage because like it took me several years to actually believe this was going to be a real thing. (laughs) So like have the courage and the faith in yourself that this is going to work. And if you believe that it'll work when you run into a problem, instead of saying, Oh no, I failed and it doesn't work. And look, you just keep trying until you figure it out. And that's the difference between success and failure isn't that people who succeed don't fail. It's that when they do fail, they find a way around it and they just keep trying. It's consistency. Also develop a community around you of like-minded people, people also doing um, small business as well or creative business as well. Use them as a resource. You help them, they help you. You're stronger together. So where can people find you? You can find me at rockstextileart.ca or Instagram. That is the best way to reach me because that's where I am all the time. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing with us how you make a living. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Yay! Subscribe to Making a Living Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts. For more on the show, visit makingalivingshow.com. Or follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Making a Living One. Making a Living Show is produced by Next Exit Media and hosted by me, Roby Lee. Thanks for listening.